Radio crew, let's get to work. I hope you're having a good week. This episode, our first episode, is with Mr. Patrick Wood. Patrick is an established insurance broker who at a very young age has experienced significant financial success. His ability to connect with customers in an authentic and client-focused manner has enabled him to continue to close larger contracts in recent years. This episode explores how Patrick embraces the realities of being an insurance broker and the nature of sales week to week, how he leads with the customer's best interest at heart to achieve the best possible outcome for all parties involved, how he uses morality to deal with difficult customers, how he utilizes existing company frameworks to upskill and learn from the most experienced brokers in the field, and much, much more. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Patrick Wood. Patrick Wood, welcome to the show. The big question on my mind when I think about insurance broker is what on earth does an insurance broker actually do? Tell us what you're about. Yeah, okay. Good question. It's kind of Helen's piece of string, depending on what you do and how motivated you are. Um, it's a bit of an interesting role. A bit of a common misconception is that you kind of represent the insurance companies, but as a broker, you're generally trying to represent the client per se or the, you know, the person seeking insurance. Um time and place for brokers sometimes you know they can't actually the clientele can't get access to certain insurers for a number of reasons and hence why sort of intermediary or brokers needed um so that's kind of the short answer basically when you say you don't represent the insurance company do you have to be attached to a company to be an insurance broker or can you kind of freelance or is that something completely different um well there's Obviously, like regulations and laws and anything you do have to abide by, of course, um, same as anyone else working in sort of the financial sector. Um, but there's broker networks, there's sole brokers. Um, the broker networks generally act as like, you know, they maintain relationships between the brokers and the insurance companies working out better deals or what the markets need and what the insurers need to offer to meet those demands in the market. So there are broker networks that generally brokers work under some of them are you know mum and dad operations just a husband and wife a lot of old school brokers that work you know and they don't advertise they just work on referrals and just been in the game for a long time there's some brokerages that probably have yeah 100 plus staff um yeah so it's quite a range of things and it's probably best path i went down i was just coincidentally um and i'm pretty yeah happy with where it's led me and the skills i've gotten from it so far when you say the path that it led you down, like at what point did you decide, hey, I'm going to go and sell insurance plans? Like, was that a conscious thought or did it just sort of unfold through another idea that you had? Um, it was mainly money. It was at a period of my life where I was, I think I'm 21, going on 22 and a little bit lost and probably had $10 to my name on a good day. Uh, and I'd heard of some friends working for an insurance company, Yui, <laughs> or some sort of people we'd crossed paths with, you know, they were driving fancy BMWs and could go out to dinner and whatnot. And I was just in sort of just sniffled onto the idea and ended up having connections with another person <laughs> at work there who got me an interview and then, yeah, just kind of fell into it. So I was never set out for insurance per se, just um, yeah, so- it was just an opportunity that at that time of my life I followed. 
when you say you, you sort of had this image of, of insurance brokers as being, you know, it, with the BMW, the, the fancy suit, that's very much how in my head when somebody says I'm an insurance broker, that is the image that I guess I get um, when I think about that. So how different is the reality of being an insurance broker to kind of the perception that, you know, general society might have? Yeah, I think that I agree with that statement about how you perceive things. Same with uh, finance brokers are probably in the same boat. I guess it really comes down to the individual. I drive a 20-year-old Golf that's worth a few thousand dollars, but my senior broker that I work with drives a $180,000 Porsche. just depends on sort of your personal choices in that regard. But a lot of, uh, I guess the clients that deal with brokers often broker fees, and you yeah. very much experienced this when going through a mortgage broker. They think that money is directly in your pocket like a thousand dollar fee seems massive but there's a lot of hands that take out of those fees as well so it's not exactly wolf of wall street by any means but um as an industry there's definitely a lot of money to be made for people who work hard and are committed interesting so i mean you know you mentioned that your your seniors or people in those higher positions you know appear to perhaps have have wealth how lucrative can insurance broking be like for somebody starting out and they're watching this thinking, you know what, I actually want to go and become an insurance broker. What is what what is the likely outcome? Like is there capacity for scalability? Is there um, is there kind of a cap on where most people sort of find themselves? How does the incentive system sort of work in insurance companies? Yeah, okay, very good question. I guess in terms of, you know, scaling it is a really snowbally process once you build up a book of clients it generally grows naturally anyway you know if you look after certain people we get a lot of referrals um if they've had a really headachey situation with one broker and we solve that solution they they tell their other friends in their industry you know for truck drivers for example or commercial property owners that sort of stuff um but you build up this book and you get momentum that some days you don't you don't have to work for any income because people need stuff off you and you just know exactly what to get them and you make your cut out of it. And in terms of people starting out, sometimes it's it's a bit of luck with sales. I've my humble opinion. I think luck is where preparation kind of meets opportunity. So uh, especially with sales. Go into that a little bit more. So when you say it's mm. luck meets opportunity, do you mean luck in the sense of the company that you end up working for, the people that uh, sort of take you under their wing and, and mentor you? Is there sort of a, a bit of, com- of a combination of things that need to happen to you know really make it in the, in the world of insurance? I, yeah, I really do stand by that statement of, you know, luck is purely, you know, your preparation when it meets an opportunity, you're going to generate more luck for yourself. Um, But sort of getting into the industry, it's just about putting your foot forward, putting your hand up, having a conversation with people and just putting yourself out there. Like you can, you know, anyone can get a job in a call center. You don't have to have any prerequisites and, you know, that call center jobs, they might not be that glamorous, but you get a lot of skills a lot of those corporate companies have a lot of stepping stones to work up and then you could take that set of skills and go launch a small business because you've been working for that company X amount of years, you've probably got some money in the bank. There's a lot of these really great stepping stones in the industry um, and that's kind of where I've you know, had some wins myself. I guess, again, gotcha. preparation and opportunity came together. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you have made in 
you know, the insurance world that sort of prevented you from being able to close those deals when it came down to the wire? When it comes to closing deals, I don't think there's any direct mistake. Unfortunately, in sales, there's no, there's no magic combination of words that's going to make someone buy your product. It's continuous grit and determination. I think a lot of salespeople, when they start a sales role, the biggest challenge they hit is after three to six months, they just can't be bothered anymore. It's just like they have enthusiasm that drive that they had for you know for paychecks to get sales, it kind of just drops off naturally. It becomes a bit of a mundane role if you're selling the same thing over and over. So it's very hard to overcome. But yeah, there's a certain sales fatigue that I've experienced. And I feel like it'll be across all the insurance industry when it comes to sales. You do hit a wall. And I've seen it happen to a lot of people who come into the job and do so well for six months and they love it. And then they just, they just have a bad month and they beating themselves up because they can't sell and they're stressing because they're not making money or that you know they just got excited about the money they were making got a car loan and now they can't make repayments like that stuff does happen can be a little bit of a trap when you came against that in your own journey and you hit that wall what was what were some of the things that you kind of need did you sort of need to reposition yourself within the industry to then progress further did you need to take a promotion what were things that you did that sort of enabled you to get over that that wall that you described probably more expressing it i feel like in a driven sales environment a lot of the time they it's almost like a toxic positivity that you can't talk about the bad times and you're having a tough sales month and you're really not motivated and making just conscious steps yourself with someone else about, all right, what am I going to do to change this? What what am I doing wrong? What what have I changed in the last month that's got me into this position? You know, kind of just road mapping that out and kind of making a plan from there, um, just from my personal experiences, because it can come down to, a you know, mostly a mental game with sales and, you know, you're not going to have a good day you know, 365 days a year. So, you just kind of have to be prepared to take a step back, analyze yeah. it, and then, you know, have a plan of attack moving forward. Yeah, that sort of idea of, I guess, reflecting on on what you're doing and, and thinking about, you know, or, or just recognizing that, you know, you, you can't have a, a smashing profitable week every single week and writing that, I guess, must be a, a common theme across, I guess, any sales position. In terms of balancing that out with, you know, your own profit desires and, you know, keeping customers happy and the idea that you have to sort of please this company that you might be working for, how do you sort of balance that? Because, you know, if you've got a customer on the line saying, you know, can you give me a cheaper deal on this this package? And, you know, you know that you could, but you know that if you do that, then, you know, the company that's actually, you know, paying you either a wage or commission maybe aren't going to be as happy with the outcome as if you, you know, maybe stung them for a little bit more money um, for, for want of a better word. Like how do you kind of balance all of that in the moment when you're on a call and you're going, yep, I need to make this call as to, to what the deal's going to eventually be? It's a good question. There's, there are, you've got to have a good moral compass first and foremost. Um, that's something that's really will help you go far in the industry, and especially with that, talking about that book of customers. If you look after people, if you take ownership of things, they have trust in you that if you're going to make a mistake, you're going to own up to it in the future as well. So I guess in my role at the moment in the current company, the commission side of things is, you know, we would much rather a better outcome from the client than extra money in our back pocket. You know, there's two pieces of the puzzle, you know, both have to have good outcomes. And, you know, we've had quite a few 
almost ethical conversations about, you know, refund processes, you know, how long can a policy go if they cancel before you refund them, you know, three to six months where we have wasted a lot of time and lost out on that money. But sometimes the outcome for the customer can be a big financial hit. So it's more of a balance of just making sure the clients are getting first, you know, transparent and honest service and the best possible outcome for their interests. So I suppose um, that would lead to uh, Patrick this, you know, by, by giving them that sort of more authentic service, I guess that probably leads to more repeat business or, or, or maybe, you know, a, a larger opportunity for them to then recommend other clients or their friends to say, hey, you know, Patrick gave me the right deal for me. He didn't try and sort of upsell me beyond what I was capable of or, you know, give me a bunch of stuff that w- would end up with, with sort of more money in his pocket, but but maybe a whole lot less out of ours and, and on stuff that maybe we don't need. I'm curious, like all of those skills that you've just described, how do you go about learning those skills? Like, is this something that you learned just through experience or is there professional development that you can go and do? And if there is professional development, like is there a certain style or category of uh, personal development that you'd recommend? Like, would you recommend, you know, customer interaction, for example? Do these things exist or is that sort of just in my imagination where it's what people would like to do, but maybe it's not the reality of the industry? Yeah, I've not really gone down that avenue myself. Mine was more, I guess, mentors. And as you said, kind of that firsthand experience, just sink or swim. Um but leading up to my first job in sales, when I was going for interviews, I was watching YouTube clips, you know, Grant Cardone and Gary V and all that. You know, I almost cringe at the fact that I used to watch that content now, but that was just my way of learning, you know, how, I don't know, the skills, you know. And then back when I was even, you know, working in a pizza shop when I was quite young, those skills you learn, you don't know in that moment, but dealing with angry customers at their pizza is like you learn a lot of, you know, to listen, to show empathy, to overcome their objections, find a solution for them. When you're 16, you think you're trying to get an annoying customer off the phone, but they're real life skills that, you know, you can develop a career off. And that's, you know, of course, we're discussing insurance here, but, you know, across all sales roles, you know, just, just by having a conversation with someone, you can better yourself. You know, when I was working in a call center, we would, you know, you just try so hard to close that deal sometimes and then hang up the phone and, you know, it's all good because the phone's going to ring again. You just get back on and try again. So it's almost like this mental training and sort of grinding yourself down to never want to quit. Yeah, so so that's interesting. You were saying, you know, um, leading with things like empathy. I guess that, as you say, goes across a whole range of industries in, in terms of dealing with difficult clients, specifically mm. to um, insurance broking. Is there... A, a process that you follow for dealing with difficult customers is this something that's put forward by the company or do you have a fair bit of say so and flexibility as to how you deal with these people when i would working for a direct insurer where it's a big corporation every dollar they spend to getting that phone to ring or to generating that lead counts so you have to try and keep that person on the phone even if they don't want to talk to you even if they hate you so in that situation, you have zero control and it's just just a horrible way to work. Uh, when it comes to broking, brokering, you do, you know, I've got a lot more flexibility. If someone doesn't want to talk to me, it's like, okay, cool. We're not going to do business. You know, my time is more important than yours for me. You know, time is money. So it's not like we're ever trying to argue with anyone. But if someone is being nasty, it's like, okay, cool. No dramas. If you want to talk to me like that, we won't help you. Move on. So 
kind of, I guess I get to take that stance generally, but we don't really, as a broker, I haven't really experienced any serious altercations. When I used to work for the direct insurer, we'd have, you know, escalations, threats, all sorts on a daily basis. So it's quite a transparent difference. Can you unpack the difference between the insuring entity and working as a broker? So those two roles are clearly a little bit different. What are the main differences between the two? The broker is the intermediary dealing, representing the buyer, the client. And then there is the insurance companies. And then there's often the insurance companies have sort of sort of branches to them as kind of can describe. And those branches are, you know, have underwriting agencies who do a, probably a completely different product, but it's kind of backed by that insurer. But the broker or the intermediary sort of, you know, we you work closely with both the client and the ins- insurer and you have to both, you know, without prejudice on either of them, um, you have to represent both sides fairly. So you are on the fence a bit, but you're there and sort of your service is offered to the client. Gotcha. I'm curious, like what sort of person, like if I'm thinking about, you know, going into the insurance world, becoming a broker, what sort of person is this career actually suited for? Like, would you say that there's a list of characteristics? Is it something that anybody could do? Is there sort of, you know, the top three you know, character traits that you think would be really, really suitable to that job and how much of it's sort of teamwork and and sort of individual work. Like I kind of get the sense that it's more of an individual role, but is that kind of mistaken in the case of really large insurance companies where you may be working within the team? Okay, well, yes, definitely the insurers do run sort of teams, but you're all, and you're very micromanaged. Um, In our brokerage, at least for the most part, it is you work autonomously, do your own work, more complex things. You get other people's opinions on, hey, where can I where can I get this sorted or what, what's your take on this situation? So you do bounce off of each other, but uh, you still kind of work solo. And I guess there's not really a no sort of demographic, I'd say, that fits into an insurance broker. But um, I really enjoy that I can work from home. I can live wherever I want in Australia because I can work from home. Um, I can... If I'm feeling a bit tired in the afternoon, I'll take a nap and make up the hours first thing the next morning, for example. But as a quality trait, that probably to make yourself a, a decent broker, you do have to be, be a little bit money-driven. You have to be a little bit hungry. You want to make that money. You've got to generate income for the business. They're paying you to be there. You want to make money for your time. Otherwise, you know, what's the point? Um, but really, that moral compass is the mm. most important mm. thing, making sure you're getting best outcome for the client because that's all that matters. And if you don't get it right, if you cut corners intentionally and have bad intentions and there's a bad outcome for a client and, you know, it's a $2 million commercial property and they are also having, you know, financial hardship because of, you know, the economy currently, you know, that's the outcome to your actions for a small financial gain in your life. So you do have to really have, you know, the, the client's best intentions at heart. Yeah, that's that's such valuable advice, I think, across a range of industries, having the best interest at heart of the client and providing value seems to be a really common theme, talking across uh, lots of industries and, and, of course, lots of lots of careers as well. Single biggest mistake, if you were talking to your younger self and, you know, you kind of thought, well, I'm going to give this person some advice, what is the single biggest mistake that you've made in the world of insurance broking? Not specifically broking, but to my, I guess, career in insurance is um, 
not realizing, you know, a company pays you for their time, but they are using you to benefit themselves. So you need to use them as much as you can to benefit yourself, upskill, make connections, network with people, you know, have conversations with people in higher up positions because you're in the same organization. You can go and talk to them and learn and just opens up a lot of doors. And if you don't do that, you're just going to get squeezed out, you know, basically by the, the big corporation and they'll use you till you've run out of energy and you'll move on. And so, yeah, just try and take as much as you can from corporations working so, from upskill, all that sort of stuff. So self-care and and sort of taking a step back to network and, and, you know, maybe taking a step away from just your own profit, profit, profit to go, actually, I can use the skills that are already in the industry to to kind of learn from those and, and just improve your own performance. Earlier on in my career, a big mistake because I, I thought I was going to be at that same company or same organization forever. So I just gave them every ounce of my energy. But yeah, that's what I mean. You know, they're using you for that that drive to get them income and generate profits. So you got to make sure you're, you're getting skills and you're getting connections and getting that in return for your time at the company. So that would be my biggest mistake and biggest advice to someone starting out. Awesome. Mate, if people want to get in touch with you, you know, organizing some insurance, where can they go? How can they find you? www.stonewellinsurance.com.au. But yes, Stonewell Insurance uh, Brokers. We're located on the Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast of Queensland and servicing all of Australia. Mate, it's an absolute pleasure to just find out a little bit about what an insurance broker does. And I think you've um, shed some pretty valuable insight, I think, not only just for insurance brokers, but also industries that, that deal with sales and that have that direct contact with consumers. Um, I think you've given some some really good advice. So really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, mate. Appreciate your time as well. Thanks for having me on. there you go crew i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did one of the best things about patrick is just how practical he is he gets straight to the point there's no bs and he gives you a sense that the way that he's talking to you is the way that he's talking to everybody else including his customers what a treat Guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Mistake Mastery. Keep one eye and maybe two ears wide open, ready for our YouTube channel just around the corner. Until next time, take care.